We're continuing our series this morning in the book of Acts. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to um, chapter 15 of the book of Acts. And there we're going to spend some time looking at um, one of those fun words, one of those easy words that we love to have in our lives. We're going to look at conflict. How many of you love conflict? It's so fun to be in disagreement and have angst and anxiety in our interactions and relationships with other people, isn't it? Obviously, conflict is one of those things actually that we oftentimes seek to avoid. How many of you would claim yourselves to be conflict avoiders? There's a couple of you I'm looking at, I'm like, yep, I know, yep, you're conflict avoiders. How many of you are conflict seekers? That's actually me. I'm a conflict seeker. I I live into it often in in my own life. But conflict is one of those things that as we think about it, um, we're oftentimes afraid of it because, um, well, it's hard, right? We think about those conflicts. Um, Those of you who are married, is there any marriages here who have never had any fights? Mark Leonard, you just created one on your way home in the van. There's no conflict, there's no marriages that don't have conflicts. And sometimes those are the hardest parts of marriage, right? Those are the hard evenings of conversations that maybe start in the living room, maybe move to the bedroom and then move out to the living room again because we can't quite resolve them. They can keep us up at night. They can be difficult because they touch our heart and our, 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 our emotions and our brains as well. And it's hard to navigate those things. And what we've realized in the world that we live in right now is that conflict has become increasingly more difficult in the world that we live in. Yes? Amen? Because we have so many lines that have been drawn. Political lines. Face mask lines. <laughs> right? Um, Racial dialogue lines. How we think about almost anything and everything can now create in the world that we live in some level of conflict and difficulty, right? I mean, all we have to do is look at um, our media in the morning. Look at your morning news shows, And you see how they oftentimes create and engender conflict just for the sake of ratings. Social media is a conflict-free place, of course, where nobody disagrees or has problems. There's all these places where even stating... How many of you stop stating your opinions on social media just not to create conflict? Anyone? I have for the most part. In fact, I... Here's news. I deleted my Facebook. I'm out. I'm over it. Thank you, Thomas. I know you and me, brother, we're in it. I've deleted my Facebook because the conflict of social media simply became too much and created anxiety. I was losing sleep over it sometimes. Conflict is hard to navigate. And yet, because it is something that we all experience, and certainly in the life of the church, we're going to experience it, for us to wonder and seek to live into God's design for conflict is important work for us. And that's what we have in Acts chapter 15. We see here how the church navigated what became a, what's called, what they even say in in the scriptures, a sharp 
conflict, how they navigated that. So ultimately, by the end of the text, you're going to see there's some level of unity and gathering together as a community to celebrate what God is doing. We want to learn more about that because we want to learn to live into that better. As we learn this morning from God's word, let's pray for his presence and blessing on our time. Father, be present with us. Speak to our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we might learn how to navigate conflict better, that we might learn and understand what it means to serve you, grow in you, and understand more about you as we navigate our disagreements and understand better how we can serve you and love you in those places. I pray, Father, that I disappear. And that, Lord, as the words come this morning, that they are your words for you to do with what you do for your glory, your honor, and your praise. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at Acts chapter 15. We're beginning with the first four verses. It says this there in God's word. Certain people came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and were teaching the believers Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything had gone, everything God had done through them. So very quickly at the beginning of the text, you see we hear the place where this conflict started as being what? It's Antioch. If you were here or were listening last week, you know we were talking about Pisidian Antioch, correct? That's in chapter 13. Sorry to tell you, it's a different place. It's like saying Paris, France versus Paris, California. They're just a little different. Pisidian Antioch and on Antioch, as we hear here, are here in this text, are different places. Uh, Antioch here is north of Jerusalem by about maybe 120, 130 miles. Pisidian Antioch is northwest of Jerusalem by about six or 700 miles. Very different places, okay? I want to highlight that because I don't want you to think, oh, this conflict happened from last week's sermon from Acts chapter 13. No, this is a different Antioch. But in this Antioch, we have some people, it makes sense, the Pharisees show up again in the text, right? These were people who became believers in Jesus Christ, but they show up at Antioch, not too far away from Jerusalem, the center of all the Pharisees and their work. They show up in Antioch and they begin to make a claim. And we look at that claim and we say, boy, those Pharisees continue to be silly, right? The claim that they make is, if you are going to follow Jesus, you also need to live into the Torah, the Jewish law of obedience. You need to be circumcised, and you need to observe Jewish customs. And we look at that and we say, pshaw, right? That's not our experience. None of you are having to go home. How many of you had bacon this morning? Anyone have bacon? 
Someone had bacon? Someone had bacon this week? Because if you had bacon this week, you're not living in Torahic law, right? You're living into um, the Gentile law. We don't have to live into that Jewish Torah. So for us to hear this, oh, you need to live into Jewish obedience, just seems silly. But remember, this is the early church. Early church being led by a whole bunch of people who were Jewish leaders. We are going to see there's a number of people who show up in the text, right? We're going to see, first of all, Peter. Peter, Jewish. We're going to see James, another disciple of Jesus, Jewish. We're going to see Paul and Barnabas show up, Jewish. Ultimately, we're going to see Paul, or Paul's going to, to speak, Jewish. Again, all these different people are Jewish leaders who are still living into Jewish obedience. These are people who are raised in their Jewishness, and except for things like the dietary laws that were changed through Peter's dream, if you remember early on in the book of Acts, they were still obeying all the Jewish principles and precepts that Jesus had not said, oh, these are changed and these are different. They're still living into Jewishness. So for new believers to the faith of Jesus Christ, for them to look at the leaders and see what's going on in the church and for them to wonder, oh, should we then be circumcised? Should we then not eat meat sacrificed to idols? Should we not eat bacon on Saturday morning? It was a fair thing to wonder because other people in their community were continuing to live into that. The difference is, of course, that the Pharisees command it. And in our text in Acts chapter 15, we hear that you cannot be saved unless you are circumcised. So this becomes, what's the words again? Sharp dispute. And now they have to start working things out. They're right at the beginning. Feelings are strong. Emotions could even be considered high. How do they work through those things? The text continues, verses 5 through 11. And some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Okay, the crux of the conflict. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows of the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving, them, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles, a yoke that neither we or, nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. So this whole conflict to us may sound like an open and shut case, but we see just as they start to talk, what does verse 7 say? It says, after much discussion... This is not an open and shut case. This is one of those 
places where people have to begin to talk about what is appropriate. They're giving us a model on how to live into conflict over what is clarified as a sharp dispute. Now you'll notice that both groups come from the right place, right? They're coming from a place of inclusion. Peter or, or Paul and Barnabas say that grace of God, the grace of God through Jesus Christ is big enough to accept everybody. And the Pharisees are saying, we want everybody accepted. And the way through that acceptance is through circumcision and the law. We want everybody to be saved. Because their hearts are right, they have an opportunity then to engage in good dialogue. I think that's actually one of the problems that we have as we think about how we navigate dialogue. Because they knew that each other's hearts were longing for more of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas and the ones on those side and the Pharisees on the other. They knew that the other was looking out for the best interests of the kingdom. But we don't always believe that, do we? We have the other people who we know in our lives who are in our social media, and they're actually, in many ways, not of the right heart. They're foolish, right? If they believe differently than we do about face masks or how we enter into public spaces with COVID. They are people who, they're, they're deluded. They're listening to the wrong people. They have the wrong research. They need to listen to the right people. And by the way, we always know the right people that they should listen to. And oftentimes it's us that they need to listen to. Those people don't have the right motivation. What would change in our conflict if we were to look at the people that we are in conflict with the eyes that we have here that even those people that we disagree with have a good heart and they're seeking to express that heart in a way that honors God. That shifts things, doesn't it? So I don't care if you are a Republican or a Democrat. I want you to look at those other people who are Republicans or Democrats opposite you in the other party. Can you say those people actually have the right motivation? They're just expressing it in a way that I disagree with. That's a hard thing to do. But that's what it, we're getting modeled here in the word of God. That God is calling us to hear the hearts of another and not just the words that we disagree with, not just move to the conflict and the raised blood pressure and the disagreement because when we're able to listen to another person's heart, we grow. Conflict is ground fertile for growth. In fact, we see it here in this text, don't we? We get an opportunity to hear these words from Peter and they're beautiful words, right? Verse, 50, or verse 11, it says this. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. How many of you want to say amen? Those are pretty awesome words that Peter would speak. He doesn't get to speak them unless they're in a place of disagreement. 
all of a sudden we get the doctrine of grace in a powerful and clear message because conflict comes. What else can we discover in our world that glorifies and honors God if we enter into conflict in good ways and helpful ways that we start with understanding someone's heart may be in disagreement with us, but it's a good heart. That person, we know that because they're created in the image of God. Yes, it's a fallen and sinful heart, just like ours is. But it's a heart that comes from a longing to see benefit and blessing for others or benefit and blessing for oneself. If we start there, what else do we find? By the way, little note. Peter's last appearance in the narrative of the text is this appearance. Those are his final words. It's almost like he's like, okay, here's my final sentence. Drop the mic and leave the place. Costanza out. You know, that's exactly what he's doing. It's awesome. It's powerful. It's beautiful that we hear this teaching that comes out of this place of conflict. It gives us a beautiful truth that we claim in all of God's glory even to today. Verses 12 through 21 says this. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David. It's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. That the rest of mankind may see the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. What we have here is we have, first of all, Paul and Silas who begin to speak of what God is doing in the, among the Gentiles. And we have James who is speaking of what God is doing among the Gentiles. Clearly, God is at work among the Gentiles. And they're all acknowledging that. But within what they're acknowledging, they do two fundamental things that can help us and help all of us, including the church, as we navigate conflict. And the first one, is in verse 12. It says this. The whole assembly became what? Silent as they... Silent as they listened. Is that an important principle for conflict management? And yet, it's something that we often forget, don't we? I'll tell you, I have a problem when Kristen and I are in conflict. She's talking... And I'm not listening. You know what I'm doing? Reloading. I'm not listening to her. I'm not being silent, not only in my mouth, but also in my mind so that I can receive what it is that she can give to me, what she can share with me, what she's trying to help me understand. I'm not silent. I'm reloading so that when she pauses for a second, I can say, but, but, but. 
How much can we learn by understanding what it is to be silent and listen? Here's my gift to you today. If you have conflict with someone in your life, especially your spouse or one of your children, then you can say, be silent and listen. And they're going to go, huh? And you're going to say, Pastor Scott said that you have to be silent and listen. The only thing is, I also said, then you also need to be silent and listen. If we are silent and listen to each other well, we can get to a place of navigating conflict. You know why conflict oftentimes continues? Because the other person doesn't feel like they have been heard. You want, you, I am giving you like a psychology conflict management degree in about 30 seconds. The best way to navigate conflict is help the understand, other person understand, know that you have heard them and understand what it is that they are saying. That's what we have here. But, and this is why it's so important. Anybody can do that sort of conflict management inside the church or outside the church. But they also, as a church, do something else. They listen to God. How do we know? Because James says this. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this I will return. Rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it. The best of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. They listened well to each other and they listened to what the Lord had to say. And if we can navigate conflict with just simply those two principles, I guarantee you, your conflict in your world will be transformed. It will be different. Being silent and listening both to another who you are in conflict with and to what the Lord has to say. Being still and knowing that he is God so that he can actually speak to you. That I, I'm, I'm going to say that one of the great tragedies of our culture is that we have forgotten what silence can do to bless us. Find silence. Find places where your mind can be quiet. So often, right, we're around, we're walking, we have our earbuds in. We drive, we have the radio or a podcast on. We're in our home, we tell Siri to play music. We do all these other things that keep noise in our life. And sometimes God is calling us to simply be still and know that he is God, especially as we navigate times of difficulty, challenge, and conflict. The passage ends with these words, verses 22 through 35. The apostles and elders, the whole church decided to choose some of their own men, send them to Antioch and Paul with Paul and Barnabas, chose Judas called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers with them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends, Paul and Barnabas, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. 
seems, seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off, went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were what? We're glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, had much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of God. So, here we get the conflict resolved at the council in Jerusalem, but the message has to go out. And we see some dynamics of the people in Jerusalem. They do something very smart. What they do is they send Paul and Barnabas, the first people, but the Paul and Barnabas were on one side. The other people they send are Judas called Barsabbas and Silas. Who are they? Well, what we know is simply this. And we know it not because the text says it, but because they're human beings. They were different than Paul and Barnabas because they're different people. And so when the message come back, comes back, it's not just Paul and Barnabas's message. It's a broader message. What they're saying to the Antioch church is we've talked about it and there's all this agreement around what we believe and we want to share all this agreement with you. It's not just hearing from one side. But you see the power of what happens. Let's, let's look at that again, those words. Verse, I gotta put my glasses on. 31, the people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. These are the same people, all right? You can underline that in your Bible, then go back to verse two and underline sharp dispute, draw a line between the two, and then right on that line, the same people. The same people started in sharp dispute and ended up very glad at what they heard because in the activity of the church and the people who were part of the conflict, they listened well to each other. They listened well to God. They bore witness to what God was doing in their community and they shared the whole message with the people who were part of the conflict. That's conflict management. That's conflict resolution. And at the end, the whole church can be glad and even as the passage closed we can hear that Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where, the, where they and many others taught and preached the word of God the people who are the center of the dispute are welcome to be a part of the community they're not ostracized and kicked out because you have to hate those people that you disagree with what we're hearing here from the text of Acts chapter 15 is that as believers navigate difficulty, which friends, you're going to navigate difficulty. It's going to happen. If you don't have conflict today, I guarantee you, you will have it this week or this month or this year. Here's how I can guarantee it because it's an election year. We're going to have conflict this year, right? We all know that. So as we think about how we navigate that conflict, for us to do so in light of what Christ is teaching us here through his spirit, 
Be silent and listen. Listen well to each other. Listen well to the Lord. Lord, when you share, share a unified message, even with those people that you disagree with. And most importantly, see those people that you disagree with as image bearers of God who carry something good into your conversation. They're not devils. They're not evil. They are people in disagreement with you. And out of those disagreements, the whole community, your family, your marriage, your church, your world can be glad. We have to learn how to live into that. Because even this activity, okay, the patio worship, guess what? There's conflict around this. There's people who view this differently than others, oddly enough, right? We're hearing from the governor certain words about how we should gather. We've chosen to live into this activity. We believe it is in obedience to what it is that we have been directed towards. And we have done so trying to compromise as best as we can. There are some people who would see, see this as a bad activity that we shouldn't be doing. And there are some people who see this as a bad activity that we shouldn't be doing. Because they see it from completely opposite perspective. One say it's bad, we shouldn't be doing this because we shouldn't be doing anything in the same space. And one group would say, you shouldn't be doing this because you should be in the sanctuary opening up your doors and not worrying about any of this. So how do we live into this? We live into this by looking at each other as image bearers of Jesus Christ. We look at this by being able to listen well, being silent and affirming that the other is an image bearer of God and coming with a heart that longs to serve God. That we do so listening to what God's word tells us and living out in obedience to God's word. And finally, we, we do, and I didn't mention that in the text, ultimately there's compromise, right? At the end of the text, we see that don't eat food sacrificed to idols and abstain from sexual immorality. Yes, it's grace, but there's two, these two little things. You would do well to stay away from these things. There's compromise for us to live into that. And I'm saying that to you, friends who are online. We bless you. We love you because you're not comfortable here. And we honor that God is calling you to that. And we believe very strongly that you need to live in obedience to what Christ is calling you. And we love you. And we're grateful that God has made you the way that he has made you. And you people who are here, I bless you. I love you because of what you're living into. And I pray that you continue to live in obedience to Christ, to what he has called towards you, that you would do so in a way which honors him and proclaims his glory. However, I also want you to see each other that way. All the people with some of their differences. All the folks in this community who have a different opinion. For us to be able to start with the place that we are all image bearers of Christ and we can live out into conflict. And here's what can happen, right? We can grow. We can understand that God is doing something differently. Guess what? Here's what God has done through this. There are people who have gone past, I don't know if they got their windows open, but they've at least heard praises to Jesus. That's a good thing. And the fact that God gave us a patio, thanks Mike Portinga, at the beginning of all this so that we can even do this is part of God's work among us. We see God doing something here, but we also see God doing something there. There are people who are on this video right now watching what it is that's going on who you don't know. You've never met them. I haven't either. May God bless you, wherever it is that you are and however it is that you're worshiping. 
When we navigate conflict and live into it in a way that we seek obedience to Christ, affirming what God is doing in us together, beautiful things happen for the kingdom of God and God is glorified. That's the body of Christ that is best at work. Let's pray together. We rejoice around your table, which unifies us, Father, through the blood, the body, the grace of your Son. And we ask, Father, that that grace then equips us to go live that grace in a world fraught with conflict and division, barriers between people that, Lord, through our listening well, through our silence as we listen, through our listening to you, and through us seeking godly compromise that reflects that another is an image bearer of you, that through that, Lord, barriers can fall, that walls can be torn down, that disagreements can cease, and instead, love, your love, your grace, your hope, your life can reign in this world that so desperately, desperately needs it. This is your work because you and you alone can do it. We ask that you do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.